0: Are you an entrepreneur or looking to become one? Looking to stay motivated, find happiness and true success? You're in the right place. Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode five. And in our last two episodes, we shared our two-part interview with Eleanor Otto. She's been on Ellen, the Today Show, NBC News, and so much more. She's won a bunch of awards. Uh, If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. She shared a ton of amazing life experiences and advice of her nearly 100-year life as well. And she also talked about how she kept building airplanes starting World War II and continued up to the age of 95. She'd still be working, by the way, if they hadn't closed that plant. So go back and listen to that. But in this episode today, episode 5, we're going to dig deeper, continue what we started in these first episodes. Our first introductory episodes, we talked about some pillars of joy we talked about some of the things in my life my own awakening per se if you will and today we're going to talk more about our motivators utilizing our minds properly you know to be in maybe a harmonious balance even in in overcoming the anxiety that affects so many of us in various ways so we're going to talk about all that stuff today and may I remind you again as we start you are priceless and you are never ever alone Remember that as we talk here. Let that sink in, please. I've been listening to a book by Howard Schultz. He's the CEO of Starbucks. Uh, The book is called Onward, which I love the title. It's an excellent book about, you know, big time comeback of Starbucks. I don't know if you remember or not. Back in 2007, 2008, we had a big financial crisis, a big recession. Starbucks kind of fell in the category of maybe discretionary expense. A lot of people didn't have a lot of money. And so for that and a bunch of other reasons, Starbucks faced... A big downturn at that time we're gonna talk about some of that story and some of what happened and when he was talking to Starbucks employees uh, in the early stages when he came back as CEO they brought him back to kind of revitalize the company and he's a big Beatles fan like me he talked about Paul McCartney one of the Beatles and they, Paul McCartney had been asked about when was the beginning of the end for the Beatles because the Beatles really only had about a 10-year career as as big songwriting performing musicians and Paul McCartney said that when they performed at Shea Stadium in 1966, that was the beginning of the end for them. Uh, and why was that? Well, he said they couldn't even hear themselves play. They couldn't even, there's so much screaming fans, so many, uh, so many people screaming and yelling and, <laughs> and excitement, but they couldn't even hear their music anymore. Now, as Starbucks went through some of their turmoil and having to kind of reinvent the brand, he asked some of their big leaders in a big meeting, uh, just like the Beatles, when did we stop hearing our music? Just like the Beatles had, and that kind of led to, along with some other things, the downfall or, or at least the end of the, the run of the Beatles. Now, I ask you and me as we kind of compare this to us, what is our music? Did we stop hearing our music? Did you stop hearing your music? Did I stop hearing mine? Now, first of all, I think it's a great analogy because of my experience. Everyone loves music to begin with. Obviously I'm biased, I'm a musician and so forth, but it's a beautiful, special, often, you know, emotional journey that can cover the full range of of love and loss and anger and pain and and joy and sadness. That's what music is. Now, I can attest as a musician and lover of music that there is a freedom and beauty in music. They're all different styles and artists, you know, different things ring true more for some than others, or different You know, country and R and B and classical music and metal music and all these different things that exist. So different things ring true for different people. And it is a freedom and an expression that can be amazingly beautiful with music. So again I ask you and me both, what is our music? And when did we stop hearing our music, if that applies here? You know what we all want out of life is to be happy. As we talk about music. We're going to talk about what that music really is, again, as an analogy. Everything we do is to that end, to be happy somehow. Even if, even if we're wrong, we go about it the wrong way. Everything everybody around you is doing is to be happy, whether they're doing drugs, whether they're going to work, whether they're taking care of their family, whatever it is they're doing, robbing the bank. In some capacity, they have some idea that in some way that's going to bring about happiness. We have to define then what happiness is. It's all about being happy. But again, what is happy? It is a synonym for this joy we talked about, remember, in this first episode, which is an alignment to return to something. In Hebrew, that's what the word joy means. A good friend of mine had taught me that. Go back and listen to that if you haven't, but we're going to continue on. Have you, have you heard of a, a barbershop quartet? I don't know if anyone remembers back in the early 90s, there was a show called Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Some of you may be too young to remember that or maybe a little older than me. I was between the ages of about 11 and 15 when that show came about. They showed it to us even in school because... It was about geography and stuff. But there was a there was a quartet on that show, kind of a barbershop style quartet. And they'd sing, where in the world is Carmen San Diego, this whole thing. <laughs> this barbershop quartet goes all the way back to the 1800s, became popular. They would literally sing four part harmony in barbershops. That's why it's called that. And that continued on to the early 1900s. There's even a, I looked it up, there's even a preservation society. There's competition still about all this. But I'm using all this with this music and this thing that Howard Schultz said as a symbolic representation for us. Why is he telling us all this? He just likes to sing. No, that's partially true. But I love music and I love I love good symbols and analogies because I think they teach real well. And that, that's a lot of how I've learned a lot of things. But just like those barbershop quartets, we have a quartet of what are called neurotransmitters in our brains that create the physical feelings of happiness in our bodies and can create a harmony, you know, what Tony Robbins calls a beautiful state. These neurotransmitters have names. They're called dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. Dopamine is a motivator that helps us set and work towards goals. We're going to talk about each of these briefly. There's some studies also that rats with low levels of dopamine have always opted for kind of the easier option you know, less reward, less food. They'd kind of take the the shorter route. They didn't care about the bigger reward. And those with higher levels of dopamine exerted, you know, more effort. They wanted to receive more food. And so they had more motivation behind it. So that's a lot of what dopamine is. Now, if we break down our goals into smaller pieces, maybe have smaller finish lines along the way, just like achieving things and uh, dopamine, maybe on a larger scale, you can have smaller finish lines to kind of release that more often along the way as we accomplish goals because goals don't just have to be some big accomplishment. I promise you, people in the Olympics have lots and lots of small goals along the way to go and then finally maybe win that gold medal or bronze or silver, whatever they win at the Olympics. I have an uncle who has since passed away who actually played and coached in the NFL for 39 years. And while playing, he had this big goal of being in the Pro Bowl and he worked real hard. He did all kinds of things. He even wrote a book about training for playing football that's in the Library of Congress. But I digress. He had this goal about playing in the Pro Bowl. And so he went ahead and worked so hard, he finally accomplished that goal. And then, as I hear the story, he didn't tell me personally, but other family members have told me that once he accomplished that, there was kind of a letdown. Like, well, now what? here I accomplished this thing. And so it's real important to have, you know, new goals in place before achieving certain goals. So you don't fall into a slump or maybe a dopamine hangover after big achievement. That is so, so crucial as we try to stay consistent. Also feeling grateful activates the region of the brain produces dopamine. You know, you write down real reasons we have to be grateful. We all have them. So if we're not writing them down and focusing on them, there's something real magical about gratitude. We're going to talk more about that in future episodes, too. And uh, But if we revisit that every day, this gratitude and maybe having some reasons written down, it will help release that. I remember Zig Ziglar used to encourage kind of the use of self-talk in an affirmation card. He'd actually distribute that to, to people who'd come see him speak. And you can look that up on Google. I actually downloaded one myself that I look at and and do just what he said. You Sometimes you read it to yourself looking in the mirror, and this sounds a little maybe hokey and, and crazy, but it's self-affirmation and self-talk in the form of positive reinforcement in our brains. So the next thing is oxytocin. It strengthens relationships. It creates feelings of intimacy and trust. Uh, It creates more fidelity between people. Studies have shown that men in a monogamous relationship who were given a boost of oxytocin actually interacted with single women at a greater distance, a greater physical distance than those who weren't given that boost. In other words, it made them more prone to fidelity in their monogamous relationship. This, what is sometimes called the cuddle hormone, oxytocin, is released through physical and sexual intimacy, as well as by mothers giving birth, breastfeeding, all these things, giving hugs, receiving hugs, giving gifts to those we care about. These will all increase the prevalence of this hormone. There's no reason we can't all feel more content and loved that way, you know, and make others feel the same within, you know, certain boundaries, of course. But that's what oxytocin does, and it it creates a certain level of balance and happiness in our brain in this this quartet that we're talking about. Now, serotonin, which is the third of the three we're going to talk about, flows when we feel important or significant. When people fall into gang activity, criminal activity, they're often encouraged mentally, even though they may not realize it, as those particular activities release serotonin. Okay, when it comes to depression and loneliness also, those things are most often linked to low levels of serotonin. In fact, most of the antidepressants on the market focus on producing serotonin in our brains. So one thing we can do is reflect on past achievements and successes or really deeply vividly visualize future ones. These are what are sometimes called anchor thoughts, which we'll talk more about shortly. The brain can't tell the difference. You know, a serotonin is released both in real life circumstances and in imagined ones in our brains, you know, reliving certain past experiences, past successes, past joys. And again, future, you know, visualizing there's some magical power in all that too. All of that plus gratitude. Again, we mentioned gratitude a little bit earlier. All of those things and gratitude in particular, I can't say enough about gratitude is such a powerful ingredient to creating all the happiness and joy that we need in our life so one last thing get some sun not too much maybe 20 minutes increase vitamin d which also promotes the production of serotonin these are all ways that we can increase that and lastly in our singing brain happiness quartet wouldn't that be a great name for a band or a singing group the the singing brain happiness quartet (laughs) The last item, though, in the quartet is endorphins. They're released in response to pain and stress. You know, they diminish the perception of those things of stress and pain. it's It's where runners get what's often called a uh, second wind or a, a runner's high. Exercise is a great way to release endorphins. Also laughter, okay, do you do you ever not feel good after laughing? My wife and I often end the day watching part of a comedy show, stand-up comedy. There's lots of great ones on Netflix. So we watch some of those things and can create laughter and therefore release endorphins. We like a show called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. And there are tons of these, like I said, on Netflix and so many other places. We have so much access to so many things these days, it's it's ridiculous. So just keep life less stressful this way. Carry around a sense of humor no matter what crosses our, our paths during the day. Also, a couple of things in terms of what we can consume. Dark chocolate, spicy foods... Lavender and vanilla; these are all linked to increasing endorphins. Okay, keep some of that nearby. You know, if you have a a desk at work or whatever, have some dark chocolate on the desk—a secret stash that nobody can come steal from you. But having all of that is a way to to really increase endorphins as well. This is our quartet of of brain happiness neurotransmitters. These all sound like big words, but. It all creates a harmony in our brains of happiness. This is how we physically feel happy. So if we understand some of that science behind that, some of the some of the recipes and ingredients to create and, and release these uh, neurotransmitters, these chemicals in our brains, these hormones, then we can take steps to balance and harmonize all this in our brains on a, a day-to-day basis. There's no reason we can't. And if, if there's some imbalance, we all deal with different things, there's a lot of medical uh, professionals that can assist in steps taken as well. So in addition to all that, we must, and I mean we must, have solid reasons behind our goals and our day-to-day actions. I heard a gentleman named Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, Jim Quick. Uh, in fact, I was listening yesterday to this. He said, reasons reap results. He talked about there was a woman who read 30 books in 30 days, and you think, well, that's that's quite a bit. And then... You understand her reason behind that. Her mother had just been given 60 days to live and she was trying to find out every possible way she could to possibly save her mother's life. She had a reason to do that. Now, if, if I were to come, this is another example he gave. If someone offered you $100,000 in a suitcase to remember the name of the next person you met, you'd probably do it. Don't you think? We'd all be the best name remembers on the planet because there's a motivation behind it. So if you have reasons to do certain things, then it increases your momentum. And we're going to talk more about that uh, at other on other episodes as well. Now, one thing I'll tell you is in business, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. That, that's kind of an old expression. And keep that in mind. They buy why you do it. Have a, have a real meaningful, legitimate story. People love that because there's a vulnerability. Uh, it's one of the key ingredients to connection. Becoming vulnerable, having a story that generally makes them more willing to connect okay so that's real important to understand your why now that we've covered all these brain chemicals and having a strong why of why we're doing things let's filter out all the garbage you know that can hold us down can hold us back from the fullness of all of this why do people so often live in the past for example Uh, some hurt, misfortune, or, you know, even past successes. Yes, we talk about that to remind us to move forward, and that's important. But when we're living in the negative stuff, it's uh, not a healthy thing. Plus, it's all in the past. There's nothing we can do about it. Why are we sitting around worrying about something tomorrow even or down the road? I've known some people who've worked in nursing homes who started to ask some of these older people about their life some of the regrets Uh, And what I was told is they regretted two things in particular. Number one, they regretted worrying so much since so much of that worry was in vain. Number two, they didn't regret the things they did or their mistakes nearly as much as the things they didn't do. The business they didn't start. The I love you's not expressed. Mending broken situations, relationships that may have existed in their lives. These things left undone or maybe unfixed become a baggage, a heavy burden for people to carry. So we don't need to dwell on or or stress over or think about past or future. All we have is right now. All these action items we talk about can only be taken right now. You can't take action yesterday. That's done. You can't take action tomorrow. You can only take action now. It's always now. We can't, we can't change what we did or didn't do in the past. We can only act now. We can fix things if something's gone wrong. It doesn't mean that we forget and don't clean up messes or, or situations that may have happened, but we don't dwell there, especially emotionally. We work on cleaning it up. Have you heard the saying that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago? Now the second best time is when? Now. You know, they say our current time now is, is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Now, that may sound, I know, that may sound a little bit cliche or cheesy, and you may have heard that before. But now, again, as we've said, now is all we really have. Eleanor said that in our interview, you can't live in the past or hold grudges or worry so much. This is a woman who's lived, again, almost 100 years, and one of those reasons that she herself attests to is is living and thinking that way. We brush things off. You move forward. As Howard Schultz said, "Onward." That's the title of the book, and I love that. This is all part of living up to our privileges as human beings. Remember the story we talked about in our first episode about the man on the cruise ship. He brought his own meager food instead of partaking of the bountiful, you know, food and amenities and activities of the cruise that, that were offered to him. It was all included. He didn't realize it, and he lived below his privileges. So, are we living below those privileges? You know, when it comes to why. We are what we are and why we do what we do. We got to live up to these things. We have to harness now. There's so much power now. I've heard people say now is so vacant because so many people are living all these other places in their minds, yesterday and tomorrow, rather than now. Like now is the time to act. Now is the time to live. Now is the time to love. Now I'm, I'm going to say a word about anxiety. We talked about that at the beginning. I promised we'd talk a little about this more. Have you ever heard of Mel Robbins? No, she isn't Tony Robbins' wife. She just has, so happens to have the same last name. She has a book, though, called The Five Second Rule, just about counting down from five and then doing what we have to do, get out of bed, call this person, talk to this person, take this step, whatever it is. Some A lot of things in life are hard. There's no getting around that. But counting down five, four, three, two, one, go do that, it activates the prefrontal cortex in our brains and gets us moving and gets us off this path of procrastination and other things. Also, when we talk about anxiety, she's a public speaker and like a lot of public speakers or performers who maybe have done this thousands, thousands of times, they still get nervous. This is what I've heard from a lot of these people. And I've done some of that myself. There's still a level of nervousness. But again, it's how we assign meaning. This is her message as well. Instead of, you know, calling it fear or nervousness, we call it being excited. Okay, I'm just excited. I'm excited to do this. And another thing is we talked earlier about the term anchor anchor thoughts, anchor images in our minds. Now for nervous events, she talks in her book about having her own fear of flying. And she would create an image in her mind of she's, let's say, flying from one city to another and she's gonna go see her child. So instead of worrying about the flight, the turbulence, you're visualizing in your mind and feeling the whole process of of having already arrived, the contentment of having arrived safely and enjoying that whole experience. So these are anchor thoughts. They could be past, present, future, but you can have those and think of the areas in your life where you may struggle with this and, and come up with some anchor thoughts. These are entire parts of the brain that, that turn off when we let fear prevail. Now, when she talked about her fear of flying, she also said, I can't believe how much I was missing by being afraid. There are entire parts of the brain that turn off when we let fear prevail. Now, I recommend a book I've I've read called The Power of Now. Uh, it is being fully present in the present, now, just like we talked about. It's all we ever have is now. How can we be present if we're preoccupied with something past or future and some delusional you know worry about it? Don't get me wrong, I've been guilty of this, so I'm not here talking down to anybody. I've been guilty of these things. We're all trying to be better. But the message of this podcast is hope we can be better. And we have to wake up regularly, just like day in and day out. We wake up and be conscious. We have to have habits that wake us up. Maybe this five, four, three, two, one 1 she talked about. Find habits that not only increase our daily presence constantly in the now moments of life, but also that all these habits of releasing these dopamine, oxytocin, uh, serotonin, endorphins in our lives exercise and hugs and all these things i challenge you, as we wrap up we're going to talk about these challenges again and you'll you'll hear me talk about challenges a lot because we got to constantly rise to a, a better place hug someone more hug multiple people more you know when it's appropriate <laughs> uh all the other things we talked about consume the things that like the dark chocolate and other things i'm not i'm not sponsored by dark chocolate by any means just all the things we talked about go back and re to these segments exercise and all these things will help release these neurotransmitters that will help us have this harmonious barbershop quartet of happiness in our brains and again remember our other challenges study or again start studying if you haven't we got to be studying i gave you some pointers on that there's tons and tons of resources Uh, there's full books on youtube it's practically free there's uh this app, Hoopla Digital, I've been using. Get books through the library system. It connects through various cities. Just study and learn. The more you learn, the more you know you don't know. And for me, that means that's even more studying. It's kind of this snowball effect. Create moments. That was the second. Do something good for somebody, somebody you love. Write a note. Get a gift. Express an I love you. Express appreciation. All these things that, we, that we've talked about before, they don't need to be swept under the rug We talked about the power of gratitude. There's power right there in gratitude. Gratitude alone creates moments. You could think of probably a dozen people off the top of your head that if you really thought about it, you have reasons to be grateful to those people. And if you express that, Oh my goodness, it'll make them feel good. It'll make you feel good. It'll create a moment that'll last a lifetime that everyone will remember. And by the way, could become an anchor thought for both you and them. So think about all this. These all become kind of chain reaction, residual effects in our lives by having done this, kind of an echo throughout our lives. All these habits. Last thing, continue this podcast together. Now, I intend to do that. And no matter whether we have a billion listeners to this podcast or one or two, or if it's just me doing this by myself, this is a great therapeutic thing. It's also a fulfilling thing for me and something I've wanted to do for a long time. And uh, send me messages. You can go through empowerhumans.com, send emails. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts, maybe experiences surrounding some of the topics we discuss. Yeah, uh, You can also, I intend to upload these to the Anchor app. You can send voice messages there so we can hear your response to things or your stories that way as well. So there's all kinds of ways, all kinds of resources. Contact me through social media, Empower 101, uh, which is Instagram, Twitter, and we have an Empower Humans Facebook page. It's all linked up through our website, empowerhumans.com. So whatever works for you, I encourage you to send messages as well because that, that way we can all interact together. So until next time, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit empowerhumans.com. We'll catch you next time.